Is your prostate waking you up more often than your alarm clock? The fact is, the older you get, the more likely you'll have prostate problems, which can affect your everyday life. That's where Prostate Complete by Real Health comes in. Prostate Complete is the result of 20 years of experience as a leader in men's health. The powerful formula in Prostate Complete supports natural prostate function and reduced urinary urges for a better quality of life. Available at Walmart. Visit prostateoneperday.com for special offers. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You are listening to The Real Men Feel Show with Andy Grant. Real Men Feel encourages men to allow and express all of their emotions. Despite what you may have been taught, all emotions do serve you. Real Men Feel is committed to engaging in discussions that most men aren't having, but you don't need to be a man to join us. The Real Men Feel Show is produced weekly for your growth and enjoyment. Listen to us on podcast platforms including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and many more. You can also watch the show on YouTube by visiting realmenfeel.org slash YouTube. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or subscribe on iTunes by visiting realmenfeel.org slash iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter at realmenfeel.org and at facebook.com slash realmenfeelshow. All links mentioned in each episode are in the show notes found on the blog at realmenfeel.org. Real Men Feel is brought to you by The Good Men Project. Visit goodmenproject.com for more of the conversations no one else is having. Your reviews, comments, feedback, and participation are welcome during the live show and anytime in our Facebook group, on Twitter, or at realmenfeel.org. Now, let's get into this week's show. Hello and welcome to Real Men Feel. This is your host, Andy Grant. You know, at the, at the core, maybe you don't know, so I'll tell you. At the core of Real Men Feel is encouraging men to acknowledge, accept, and express all of their emotions. Because that's what life is about, right? We are emotional beings. We're human beings. And we have these things called emotions. And they all can really serve us. The only time that, that a negative emotion, a so-called negative emotion, is really negative is when you try to deny it and hide it and get rid of it and stuff it and, and pretend it doesn't exist. That's when... Uh, the shit can hit the storm. And uh, if you have a lot of shit hitting the storm, you might end up with a pit of shit. And uh, that's what we're going to explore today. We're going to go into the darker emotions and to really explore and talk about like why you want to feel them. What, what, why, how does it serve you to explore that aspect of you, to, to go dark at times and be willing to? So we're going to explore the shit pit. And our guide <laughs> is, uh, <laughs> is Mr. Henry Johnston. He's a coach, mentor, speaker and podcaster from London, England. So uh, welcome, Henry. Andy, thank you so much. It's an absolute pleasure. I can't wait to delve into the deep, dark shitness with you. <laughs> it's going to be a good one. And so we've, we've talked a couple times, and I had never heard the term shit pit before. So I don't, mm. I don't know if that's something that's, that, that just came out of you in that moment or is something that's part of, part of your kind of uh, background and, and your terminology from your professional expertise but uh so so tell me yeah. a little bit about you know what 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 is a shit pit what makes it up oh well good question a shit pit is uh something that i came up uh with by myself from my vernacular which uh i am british so there's a lot of shit and a lot of pit and uh, i just joined them both together in this marvelous word to describe something that is 
<laughs> it's just really, really, really shit that is self-created. And therefore, you have the whole of the shitness that you've created, and it is thus a pit which I would sit in and be like, oh, golly gosh, look at this hideous shit pit I'm in. How do I get out of this? How does this get created? Am I happy here? I'll stay here for a little bit. Why not? That's where it came from. And being an, and, and I noticed you said you created it. So it's not something else made, or maybe you did blame others for it. Did, did you always realize this is my own creation? Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I don't know why, but I, I kind of see myself as quite, because I had such low self-esteem and low self-worth, I saw it as no one else's fault. It couldn't possibly be anyone else's fault apart from mine because I was such an utterly shit, worthless human being on me. That's where I felt most comfortable. I almost didn't have the confidence to say that's someone else's fault. Because I couldn't, I couldn't bear the thought of having any kind of confrontation, even within my mind, with anyone else. It was, it was all my fault, and I was quite happy to have it all my fault. Because then I could just sit in it and feel really, really shit about it. Cool. Well, not cool, but I'm glad that you're aware of it. Um, I am getting some warnings that you have a uh, no, with this problem. Um, so I don't know if there's anything you can do on your end, but you're you're breaking up quite a bit here. Oh no. Yeah. Oh, mate, I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. So I don't know if, if you can, because uh, at least on this end, what I'm saying, I don't know if everyone else has seen it, and I'm afraid the recording and the experience for everybody. We, we don't want a shitty experience of the shit pit, so we'll take a, a little uh, unplanned technical intermission <laughs> and get everything going again. Maybe. Uh, sorry about that. No, it's, it's, it's okay. No, I said, this is all an experiment. It's all good. I'll know not to trust Londoners. Bloody <laughs> bloody. <laughs> so, and sometimes the shit pit shows up as technical, techno, geez. Sometimes the shit pit is in my mouth. <laughs> sometimes the shit pit can be technology issues, which we had. So we've, uh, we were trying to get, be live on Facebook and it is just not working for us today. So we are just going to press on. And hmm. we, we were, I believe, Henry, you're talking about ha having the awareness and recognizing that the shit pit was your creation and, and even that you actually took a bit of like some pride in it in a distorted way. Is that right? Yeah. Like I think to get deeper into it, there was definitely pride wrapped up in all my, my mental health and all my self-harm and all my self-abuse. Absolutely. Because there was this kind of identity of the man and I don't know where I picked up this identity from. It was this identity that the man can take a beating, but he just carries on. And that was, I couldn't quite stand up and be assertive with myself. So what I did was just, I was assertive with how much pain I could take on. And it simply was never a case of I can take on too much pain. So that's what I did. That's what my shit pit was. It was just increased volumes of pain just to see how much that was. That was my identity. Andy, the, the amount of pain that I could put myself through and not break. But the weird thing was, but it's not weird, like anyone else could have told me that I was breaking. I was broken, you know, through that very act of trying not to break. And, and so what age is this happening? How, how young are you when, you when you're having this experience? Probably like 12, 13, wow. around that. That's when it all started. Like I was, uh, I, was, I was such a beautiful kid. 
Like I was so sorry. You probably hear my dogs making a noise in the background. I apologize about that. Um, <laughs> I, I was a beautiful child. You know, I was very, very loving, very, very easygoing. Would tell people that I loved them. Would do everything I could to help people. Very, very expressive. Totally unafraid in that expression. Of course, you know that singled me out a little bit, but it wasn't a problem. And then I went to. Um, Sorry, I'm just going to shut the door because they're starting to make really strange noises. Um, I started, I went to a boarding school and it was an all-males boarding school and it was exactly how you'd imagine an English boarding school to be. It was very, very dictatorial, uh, very masculine-driven. It was very sporty, very army, very competition-based, and there just simply was not that was not a place for young Henry to be because I couldn't express myself. And any time that I did, I was singled out for being weird. I had teachers telling me constantly that I was strange, that I was weird. Like, what do you, my, my, um, <clears throat> my second name is actually Stephen. Uh, I changed it to my coaching name, Henry Johnston. But uh, they used to go, oh, Stephen, like, you're such a weird child. You're such a wretched child. You know, I constantly got this, this message that there was something very, very wrong with me. And it wasn't that, I just didn't have the understanding to think, hey, actually, no, it's, they've got a problem because they don't understand the child that I am. So I just absorbed it all. And whatever, that, that message that I absorbed just manifested inside me. So I became that weird problem. I, I manifested that. And that's where I started to dig the shit bit because I had to have somewhere to put all this negativity. Hmm. So I just created this, this persona for myself, which was the weird child, no one understood me, no one could help me, and there was something very, very wrong with me. Hmm. Huh. Unfortunately, I, I, uh, I'm afraid a lot of guys can, can relate to that and, and see that. And you know, I, I, I bet there's even perspectives that, that you know, other kids in that school who were putting on a different act and had their different you know, shit hidden some other way you know, mm. I, I'm sure you're not the only person there that was like having a horrible experience. I would, I would guarantee that many of the pupils, many of my peers probably left that school and developed some kind of mental health problem because it was so strict. You know, you, there, there, there were some guys who um, flourished in that, you know, it's very much their kind of personality type, but the sensitive ones were singled out, you know, and I think we probably got the hardest time of all. So did, did your family not see the beautiful, sensitive child you were, or were they trying to kind of change that? No, 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 they, they, they totally saw. I had a learning difficulty as well, so really bad dyslexia, un, undiagnosed ADHD and OCD from uh, dyspraxia as well from a, from a really early age. They only really knew about the dyslexia. So my, my family were, were trying to send me to a place that they thought might help me. You know, my parents with the tools that they had available, and they're both teachers, um, with the tools that they had available to them, they're like, how can we best support Henry? And actually the school that I went to was where I grew up. And they thought maybe, maybe going back to where he grew up will help him in this boarding school. Maybe he'll be given, you know, the order that, that he needs. Cause I was very, very chaotic. So I think my parents to this day still feel really guilty about what they did, but I always say to them, you know, like you acted with the best intentions with the toolkit that you had available. The, the fall that was happening, they didn't know like how badly I was suffering because 
the only adults I had around me were adults telling me that either there was something like inherently very, very wrong with me, you know, and the, the way that I understood adults, I didn't know that my parents weren't going to tell me something different. So I just, I just, I just hid it from them. Hmm. So, so, so you didn't go to the, go to school, had a, had a bad experience and leave in a few months. You, you went through the whole program. Uh, how do you mean the whole program? Like, like you were there for years. Oh no, I, I burnt out. I, I was there for two years and then I started to act out really badly. Um, just really run. I started to steal a lot, started to break into people's houses and steal booze. I was the weird kid who like always had alcohol, always was the one getting crazy drunk who went out of school and got drunk on the weekends, whatever. Um, and then I had a, I had a mental breakdown at that age. And I got sectioned. In England, they call it sectioning. I don't know what the US term is, but it wasn't. So I was so young, I was encouraged or taken out of school and moved into a mental health institution where they kind of put me for about a year as uh, they tried to figure out what was wrong with me. And did that help at all? No, <laughs> it didn't help. Because like, I, just, I just fooled them all. You know, they, they asked me if, like, are you, are you suffering from this? Yes. Yes, yes, I have all of this. I don't want to go back to where I came from. You know, and it just, and it further, like, developed that false identity of the kind of child that I was. It's like, I can get out of this hell by pretending to be far iller than I am. I mean, don't get me wrong. I was in a really bad place, but they kind of suggested to me, do you, do you, do you have this? I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, no, I have all of this. Just don't, don't make me go back into mainstream. I, I don't want to go back there. Mm. And I don't think it was particularly well funded, the place that I went to and how I saw it. It was just uh, a year off school where I could smoke and uh, adults were cool and would buy me cigarettes. So it didn't actually help me psychologically whatsoever. I mean, if, if, you, if I ever got angry and I did suffer from quite severe bouts of anger, they, they kind of take you and stick you in a really tiny room on your own for like six hours or something, which was, uh, it wasn't helpful. So uh, from my own experience in talking to other guys, like you can't help anybody until they want help. So, yeah, it, it, yeah so it sounds, so at, at this point, you just thought you were wrong, you're broken, you're a mess, and that's just how it is. You weren't like, can someone help me? No, never occurred to me. Never occurred to me. And that, that shift wasn't something that would happen until much later on in my life. It was a, a continued pattern of behavior that I would fail because that is the child that I am. I'm a failure. Why would I ever try to be anything more? And then you build up this resistance to success because success becomes the ultimate fear. Like, what the fuck would it mean? If I didn't have this security blanket, which I know is really unhealthy and I know it's holding me back, but I need it. I'm, I'm not ready. You know, that, that self-doubt, that removal of self-doubt, it's like, does that, is this what success means? Like, oh, not, I'm not sure how I feel about that. I'll take more drugs. Right. Yeah. No, I'll take more drugs and I'll deal with that later. Hmm. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize it if they haven't gone through it, that the notion of your comfort zone or your, your security blanket, even if it's horrible, it, it's what you're used to so that there is some security and comfort and and if, oh, yeah. if you're if you're sure that you're just a total fuck up then then proving that brings a comfort level to it absolutely it's familiarity we are comfort seeking creatures but we're also very complex and we act out in really warped ways so i say that i'm a comfort seeking creature and at that time of my life worthlessness failure 
adults telling me that I was a failure and I'd never amount to anything. That was my comfort zone. You know, yeah, like it was in hindsight, it was really horrible place to be. But while I was there, it was like, good. I know where I stand now. I know what's expected of me. I'm happy with that. I'll just do this. Mm. So, so this is your daily experience for years. Mm. And so, so what finally, you know, did this bottom out at some point? Did you just get sick of it? Did, did someone intervene? How, how did, how did you bring this to a, to an end at all? It had to get a lot worse before it got any better. I mean, like we're, we're talking right, right then we were talking about like when I was 15. So when I was 15 is when I properly started to get into addiction. You know, that was, I remember, I remember when I was, it was, it was when I was 18, like from 15 to 18, I was really lost. Super, I didn't know what to do. I just knew that smoking weed was kind of okay and playing video games all day was, was kind of okay and that's where I was happy. And then at 18, I, thought, I took my first ecstasy pill and I was like, holy shit, this fixes all my problems inside me. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I don't care what it is, but to get this emotional feeling of balance and happiness, like this is what I've been searching for. This this circumnavigates all the pain and all the void that I thought I had to face to move on. So I'll just do that. And then I did. And I just threw myself into it. And for the next 10 years after that, I just took every single drug that I could that removed that emotion of, of fear of facing it and made me feel as if I didn't have to look into the void without feeling pain. Like I feel clarity and hope for the first time. It gave me a bridge to bridge the pain towards kind of maybe meaning. And I threw myself into it. I took so many pills and my teeth and my hair started to fall out. I was homeless. I was emaciated. I was so, so thin. I lost my family. They disowned me so many times. Uh, I lost all my friends. I lost everything. And it was a willing. And it got to that point where the bridge just disappeared and I was back in the shit pit. That was where the shit pit was. Like All my actions had led me up to that point of pain and I welcomed it in. In fact, I say this a lot. I have a light inside me that I believe saved me, but I tried to murder that through that time. They were dark, dark times. I literally physically and emotionally tried to murder all the goodness inside me. That is where the shit pit was. And uh, yeah, it went very deep and it went very dark and I lost everything. Uh -huh. So how did you survive it? That, that light was brighter and stronger than you ever imagined. Yeah, it was. It was something that I, I could never put out. It was something that had actually been there since I was a child. It was a thing that had been born with me and it was my ability to show love and to give love. Mm -hmm. But I just forgot I saw that as a weakness. If I started to show or give love, and it would mean that I'd be vulnerable to other people. You know, they would reject me on a far deeper level than saying that I was weird or that I was out of place or that I was never amount to be anything. If I actually showed my trueness to them, then that would be true abandonment. And that wasn't something I was willing to do. So it took time. You know, I, I very luckily had, I went through a period of about, six months of progressively bad self-harm it was getting dangerous so so dangerous I, I think i shared with you when you were on my show you know i used to give myself paper cuts between my toes and fill my shoes with lemon and salt and that's just the tip of the iceberg of the amount of damage that i did to myself in order to live 
you know, a, a daily life. Um, and I honestly believe had I not gone into rehab and I, and I tried recovery, you know, I tried it once or twice. I, I wanted to drink, you know, I couldn't, couldn't live without booze. What the fuck? You know, why would I want to do this? I was the addict and I'm not alone here. He wanted to find a way around it. I wanted to beat the system. I wanted to get clean, but still get high. You know, it was possible and super special. I can do that. Bollocks. I'm a fuck. I'm a, I'm a fucking addict. You know what I mean? I need to get clean and I need to get clean. Um, so I went into rehab and honest, honest to God, I think I would have ended up in a jail in an institution or most likely I would be dead. I don't think, I honestly think I probably had about a week, maybe 10 days of life left before I did something really fucking stupid. Mm. Um, I went into a rehab for six months and I was presented very early on with a choice. And I do not know to this day what made me put one foot in front of the other in there. Because my whole life had been failure. It had been presented with opportunity and then I'd fuck it up. That's what I did. That was all I knew. Going into this rehab, that light, that love, that willingness to be vulnerable came out. And I think that's what saved me because bit by bit, I could just go into my darkest parts and say what I was most afraid of saying in a group of people that I didn't know. And masculinity, that came up massively early on. You know, I thought that I was expected to be a player, you know, a Jack the Lad kind of guy. And I was in a room with lots of people that I perceived to be this way. And I was like, I can't show them that I'm really sensitive and I like to pick flowers for my mum. That's not okay. But I did. I showed up in every single opportunity that I could. And I told the truth because I, I never told the truth ever. The only time I'd ever told the truth to myself was when I was covered in blood and half cut from drinking gin all night. Do you know what I mean? Where I might, I may have just said to myself, I've got to change. This isn't okay. But that was soon be swallowed by self-loathing and that I deserved it. But at this point in rehab, I call it my higher power. If people believe in a, in a higher soul, in a higher purpose, that was when it came through and I'm glad that it did. And I, I became, I started to meditate around then I started because in it, it was a 12-step recovery so it was AA based um, they encourage you to find a god of your own meaning you know your higher power and I made a really strong connection with my intuition and nature during that time and I could tell when my higher power was communicating to me because it would do it through sunlight and bouncing it off windows so if anyone has ever walked down the street and you're having a bad day and you see sunlight bouncing off a window and suddenly you feel this sense of peace and actually it might be all right that's a sign that there's something greater than you communicating with you. That is my honest belief. And all these things, they seem to happen at once. Like they were meant to happen at that point because they'd never happened in, in unison at the same time. It just so happened they happened then. I was in rehab and I got clean and I showed up every single goddamn time. And oh my God, there were times when I gave them my keys. I was like, take these keys because after saying that in group, I'm going to drink. I need to be locked in this building. I need you to take away my privileges. And I saw guys like fall off the wagon constantly. Like I was in a group of 20, it was about 25 as a full house. Saw about 60 people come and go. Only three of us are sober and alive. So many people die from this, you know, and I believe that to, to negate that, to stop that from happening 
you've got to do the one thing which is terrifying you the most, which is get real with your emotions and start to feel. In recovery, they say, good news is your emotions will come back. Bad news is your emotions will come back. <laughs> Went on a big, long spiel then, but it's something I feel deeply, deeply passionate and driven about. That, that is uh, potent and powerful. And you know, from hearing you say it, you know, it, it's obvious to me, your, your higher power was always there. But as you said, you, you were trying to murder it. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that light, yeah, that light, it was always there. And, but in, until you're willing to hear it, until you're willing to embrace it, until you, you can possibly see that, you know, that there is another aspect of you that can live beyond the shit pit, that can live beyond addiction, that can actually feel that love and joy that you experienced and you expressed as a, as a little boy. Man. Feels good to say. Good. Because that, that's really the point. And it, it's when you started unpacking it. It's when you started admitting how you felt. Took, taking mm. the risk of being different and even people realizing that you're weirder than you thought you were. Right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So it was all but those that's steps. That, that's that's yeah. what brought your healing. That's what gave you life back. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. It was that the most terrifying thing that I'd refused to do for 28 years was the one thing that would actually be the, it's, it's kind of like the thing with emotions is that it starts off with this really intimidating risk, kind of move through this membrane of resistance. But once you're through that and you're there with the vulnerability and you're kind of saying something that you're like, whoa, 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 don't like this, but I'm going to sit with it. I'm going to sit with it. After that, it's like a snowball it becomes easier and easier. And then suddenly, before you know it, you're able to express a whole vast array of emotions and people are just left speechless. You walk into a room and say, hey, I'm actually feeling quite honorable, but you know what? I'm okay with that. How are you doing? Yeah. Just like people are like, whoa, yeah. who is this guy? He's so charismatic. Like, no, I'm just totally at home with all my emotions. <laughs> yeah, because there's a power. They, everything that you're feeling inside, it wants to be expressed. We, we are expressive, creative beings. There's, just, there's no doubt about that. And, and I think when, when you're the first person, when you take that vulnerable step, when you just, instead of saying, you know, hey, how you doing? Great. When you actually, oh, I'm actually kind of upset, a little, <laughs> anxious, a little anxious, a little depression, kind of waiting to burst out of me. I don't know what it's all about. I'm like, oh, yeah. you, you know, you take, whoa, you really, you're telling me the truth. That's kind of weird. Um, but, but it gives the other people freedom gives them permission to feel it themselves and kind of share something in response and even if they don't yeah. really share with you that they, they they acknowledge more of their own emotions when they meet someone that's willing to to show them kind of how it's done that's what i find yeah and when they engage with it they see that there's no risk in them engaging with it so they they, they start the journey of engaging with that emotion that they're kind of resisting so actually that was all right i feel strangely inspired by this is this what wait Wait, can, can vulnerability be inspiring? Whoa, can I be a hero? It's like, yeah, you can absolutely be a hero. Like, I'll, I'll give an example today. I was, I was telling you this before the call. I was having a perfectly normal day, walking my dogs, doodle had a cup of coffee, suddenly, boom, I know a depression just hit me. Like, and I started crying, and I was crying solidly for 45 minutes, a deep pit of sadness. And I thought, what's the one thing I can do? And I did have that trepidation. It's like, I can't. Should I share this? And I was like, absolutely, I'm going to share this. So I went to my Facebook group, 
And I did a video. I was just tears streaming down my face. And I was like, I don't know what's going on. I feel really sad. I thought this might help, you know, that. And the response from that was, thank you. Thank you for showing me that it's okay because it is okay to cry. There is no risk in it. Make sure you do it in an environment where you're going to be held and you're going to be loved and you're going to be respected for being the fucking hero that you are. Yeah. Yeah. In in my own experience, I, you know, sometimes the sadness is there and I go like, well, what am I really sad about? And and it's kind of digging deeper into it. And sometimes just like, I'm really sad. Well, what Mm. do I do with this? I'm like, tell someone. And it could be like, you know, your light source, your, your higher power, whatever terms you want to use is saying, you know, Henry, it's time to discover you're not alone. So I'm going to make you sad until you share that with someone. And then you'll be yeah. held and supported, yeah. right? Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. You've got to be, it's funny, I, I did some angel cards this morning. And one of them, this was before depression hits, and one of them was signs. One of them was answered prayers. The other one was signs. I was like, signs. Okay, so I'm going to look for signs. Boom, depression. <laughs> yeah. so, oh, right. So that's a pretty clear sign. Okay, cool. Yeah, because that's the thing, especially with, you know, with uh, people that are involved in spirituality, the sign always has to be, you know, beautiful and lovely. Like, no, I mean, the sign can be, you know, shit pit this way, right? (laughs) Yeah, totally. It's uh, always be open to any message that you receive. And it's it's, it's often not like, it's almost like if if you're, I think movies and, and TV have kind of propagated this image that when something magical happens and it's surrounded by light and it's actually a moment when the rainbows come and it's like it's, it's rarely like that it's just a moment don't try and force it you know if you force it then you're putting your own agenda into it and that's that's ego driven so just let it happen you know accept that it's gonna happen and ask that you be ready to hear it when it does and then it removes all the pressure it just takes all the pressure off you so you don't have to do anything you have to wait till something comes Pretty easy, right? I was uh, I was teaching a class in my home yesterday. I, I had I had seven uh, psychics and mediums coming to learn about how to market them. They they're 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 new into this, and they like they're finally feeling brave enough to go share that they they do this and they want to help people. And towards the end of the class, they they all start like kind of freaking out, and there's a lot of you know, people looking and staring and get, grabbing phones. And I guess out the window behind me was a rainbow, and it looked like the rainbow is coming out of my head. So they're all trying to get a picture and they're going, oh, Andy, you're the, you're the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. It's amazing. And, you know, but the more they tried to take a picture, it just didn't work. So I was like, you're like, no, I don't need, like, fine. Just, it's great. Ha- enjoy it. Don't try to prove it and yeah. share it. And, you know, like, exactly. like and the, the sign, any sign, it means something to you. Mm. And, it, and if it does, great. It, it fulfilled its purpose. <laughs> you, know? um, you don't need to, you know, some things can be, a sign might be that, oh, go tell someone something, but, you know, just receive it. And, and I like to yeah. think, you know, it's kind of like, it's a hug from the universe. Yeah. Just, just, uh, just for you, you know? Absolutely. That, that I'd, anyone listening, I'd recommend if you're out for a walk and you see something, the moment you feel I've got to take a picture of this and share it, just put your phone back in your pocket and enjoy the experience. And then you'll discover something more about yourself and how you receive gifts. You know, what, what goes on is I know we have otters where we live and they swim in the river naturally. And, um, I saw something the other day. I was like, Oh, wait, no, no, put phone down. I'm going to enjoy this. Whoa. There's a fucking otter right in front of me. This is incredible. Yeah. You know, and it yeah. proper lifted my day. It was like this, this moment has been curated for me right now yeah. like 
thank you, whoever you are out there. This, I, I enjoyed that thoroughly. Thank you very much. Yeah. There's a big difference between an experience for you and capturing something to share it. It's, they're two yeah. different things. And there's even degrees yeah. between all that too. But yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And this is, I mean, this is the challenge I have too. Like first thing, oh, got to capture that, got to prove, like I have a, I grew up with a big thing of like, I, I wouldn't dare do anything alone. If, if I didn't have friends to do it, it wasn't worth doing, you know, so, so kind of my own experiences were kind of discounted. So, but, but I love that idea. I'm going to, I'm going to follow your advice. And next time I feel like, oh, I got to take, no, I don't have to take a picture of that. I'm just going to sit and enjoy it's whatever it is. It's so interesting. It even comes from like, and I, and I have to follow it too, like being a coach, being a mentor, social media is a massive part of any business. Um, but I've got to be careful like what I share. And I'm, it's not because I don't want to give anything as well. It's like, what am I trying to do here? Am I trying to get something which I need from myself? Am I trying to get the like buzz? Because that's like a pretty normal thing. If you're in social media, then the like buzz is, you know, we all get it. So, so I just hold myself back and go, is this of true value to the people that I'm sharing it to? Or am I doing this because I need something? And if I need something, then I'll stop. Be like, what do I need? Oh, the inner journey again. Ah, uh, I need a hug. Yeah. Where's my dog? Where's my girlfriend? You know? Yeah. They're all signposts. It'd be interesting. Instead of like sharing whatever post you thought you could do or some picture of something, if you actually just wrote, I need a hug. I just realized I need a hug. And, and yeah. what the reaction to that would be. And just a much more oh. honest reaction too, right? Oh, it's like I've got to do um, a, a video. Well, I'm doing a video today on confidence. And I was kind of racking my brain. of like, how can I do What can I do? So actually, no, I'm just going to cut through all the bullshit and say exactly how I see it. And I don't actually mind if I piss anyone off because I think everyone needs to hear the truth. <laughs> you know, I have friends who are confidence coaches. And I'm like, well... If I didn't say this, then I'd just be pandering to them. So I'm just going to say, I'm sure they'll still be my friends afterwards. I'm just going to be really authentic. But it's that if you post something which is completely, and do you know what, Andy? I can feel it in my chest now. I know what my light looks like. And all I have to do is think of that. Think of what I'm about to post. Does it match? Does the energy match? The energy matches? Absolutely. That's the way I've got to go. If the energy doesn't match, try try, try something else. Yeah, yeah I mean... I Again, there's something I found through through trial and error in, in my my life. You can't be truly vulnerable and authentic if you're concerned about how people are going to react to it. Right? Like, I want to make everyone happy with me, so I'm going to be authentic. Like, yeah, it doesn't really go like that, right? I'm going to that's be authentic. You know, authenticity. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's, and unfortunately, that's a lot of. Uh, you know, people big on social media and, and kind of the big ticket coaches can, can come off like that. Um, you well, know, authenticity is, is a buzzword whose meaning is being devalued by the sheer amount that it's shared, you know, mm -hmm. or, or authenticity, like people can say I'm being authentic, but they're just saying the word, they don't actually have a deeper understanding of what it means to be authentic. And when I say I'm being authentic, it means that I am showing you me in my entirety and I'm not expecting anything from you. This is me placing myself here. I'm not doing this for any other reason than to be my truest self and identity. And that's like one of the most vulnerable things you can do. Yeah, and that, I really like that, that definition because yeah, I've seen people kind of use it as an excuse, like, you know, I'm, I'm engaged in some sort of bad behavior. Hey, I'm just being authentic. 
It's like, no, you're just throwing out a buzzword as an excuse to pretending that exactly. you know, you're just like, oh, I'm just, I'm pure asshole. So I'm being authentic. Like, no, <laughs> like, I believe there's some part of part of you than the yeah. asshole, right? Oh, that's awful. That's really, that's a really bad example. And it's the same with vulnerability and self-love. There's a, there's such catchy buzzwords that people are promoting them, but they're not, they're not teaching anyone what they mean. Like people, people are just resonating with the, the buzzword with like the, Ooh, the wow, but they're not resonating with what it actually means to develop and cultivate those in someone's life, which is what we do you know, with our work and with our clients. And it, there's, that's a whole nother podcast, a, a rant about people being inauthentic and how it's damaging the spiritual and like the mental well-being of our world. So then let's go. How, how did you discover that there was some sort of value in, in being vulnerable and in, 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 in not caring about the reactions and, and not being authentic because it's the buzzword of the day? But, but how did you discover there was true value and, and possibly healing, it sounds like? from being you sharing really simple answer it made me feel good unlike anything else it made me feel clean and good and right right by me and that's and that's all i ever wanted in my life was just the confidence confidence is, is another thing it's i didn't have the confidence to do that the confidence came from doing it you know, I didn't, I didn't need a boost to be able to do it. It kind of doesn't make sense to me. I don't think we need confidence to do brave things because we just do them. And then in hindsight, we go, oh, wait, shit, that was really courageous and really brave of me. You know, just do it. And yeah. then the, and there's, there's something about alignment. <laughs> another, another buzzword. But being in alignment, and I see my alignment as, as an energy source coming from the top of my head right down out my bum, basically. And it's a line of, like a laser and then you've got these things that might shunt it to one side and misalign it when when that beam of energy is misaligned that's when i manifest depression bad habits sleeplessness unhappiness when it is aligned everything i do is right and when everything i do is right by me i heal myself because i'm honoring myself that honoring of the the true self the true soul that amalgamation of you know our physical form here on earth and the lessons that we're learning with our higher self that creates something which is just blissful and words do a really bad job of describing just how great it fucking is to be aligned like when i was talking about seeing that all, all my work i do is intuitive um I, I rarely write things down i remember emotions and that's how i navigate all my work and it's phenomenally powerful so I can see that energy and all I need to do is match that energy. And that's when I know. And it's the same with clients. You know, if, if someone doesn't have the right energy, then I'm not going to be able to help them. Mm. You know, it is so important that we discover our energy, who we are, what we want to do, and then be authentic and be unafraid to be authentic. And then you can wear the badge of pride, if that's your thing, saying, I am authentic. Mm. And then you don't really need to tell people because people are like, holy fucking Christ, Andy's amazing. Did he just say that? Yeah. Did Henry just say that? That's oh. the thing. When, when, when you are truly authentic and vulnerable, you'll know it because that's what people are saying about you. It's not, yeah. hello, yeah, welcome exactly. to the Authenticity Show. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. And people sort of say, I, 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 uh, 
I admire your strength and I admire your vulnerability and your vulnerability is your strength. So I thank you for recognizing that. And if you can recognize that in me, then you can recognize it in yourself. And yeah. that's what you're doing right now. To all the men, you say that they're scared of being vulnerable. They're actually being vulnerable every day. Mm -hmm. It's not seen. If, if you're communicating, like if you're communicating with someone who's sad and you say, oh, I'm sorry, you're feeling that way. You're being vulnerable because you're engaging with that emotion. You know, like vulnerability isn't always this massive, big ball of contention to avoid. It's, it's everywhere. We've just been told that it's not okay to do. It's like, it's everywhere. Yeah. And, and you said it too, that, you know, and it's really the, where the real men feel as a title comes from that, you know, I, mm -hmm. I really, I'm, I'm, I see it more, but I'm just yearning for the time when just all of society recognizes vulnerability being emotional, being sensitive as strengths of masculinity. Oh, right? it is that so strong. Like, I, I mean, I, I would bet any woman to say, you know, because this sex is important to men, at least heterosexual men. Um, I am heterosexual, by the way. That's why I use this, uh, this point of reference, is that there is nothing sexier than a man who can be vulnerable like, as a rule, I have never met a woman who has said, I find that really unattractive. If there's a man who can be, but like, I went on camera today. I'm not saying that I'm super sexy, by the way. I'm just giving an example of how a woman might find me sexy. Went on camera today and I cried. Later on in the day, I'm going to go in my workshop and hit steel with hammers, you know? There's a juxtaposition. There is a man who can be vulnerable, loving, open, but yeah, he can still do all the manly stuff. Yeah. Again, we're... we're the big secret that I, I constantly try to share, men are human beings. <laughs> we have a full range yeah. of emotions. If, if there are some things that women are allowed to feel and men aren't, it's not like we have five emotions and they have 15 and oh, we got screwed. Like, that's just not how it works. It's not, is it? We are, a, a, guy, a guy said to me, oh, women, women speak too much. Women, all, all women speak too much. And I was like, do they? Like, do men, do men speak too much? Yeah, yeah, like men speak too much, but women, they, they speak too much. It's like, we're all human beings, you know? They're only doing what we do and putting this label of femi femininity of it just widens the gap of you identifying with the part of you that you need to identify and just remove the fear. And we are all human beings. Oh my God, we're fucking beautiful. I haven't got a pot filter on, so I can't like really say it. Yes, you can. <laughs> yes, you can. Fucking beautiful. Yeah. that is how I feel about human beings and the invitation the opportunity is to feel that way about yourself mm. right yeah that, that's that's what I always you know you know I dabbled in drugs I was chasing things but I, no drug lived up to the to hype no, no drug lived up to what I wanted that 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 love that alignment that feeling alive that like just nothing nothing did it for me but they are, they pale, they pale in comparison. Like I've been doing this meditation technique for a while and I was on a run and I always meditate to trance music. I just, you know, something about the ADHD brain or something, I don't know, trance music just elevates me to that plane like very, very quickly. And I was doing this meditation and I swear to God, like it was orgasmic. And I felt, I felt cracks appearing in my ego. I felt my true self come through and I just burst out laughing in between moaning and 
groaning as I felt all this age-old pain just crack and fall away from this glowing heart within inside me. Like I could have, like I was just going, oh, like that, and I was in a park in London. I didn't fucking care what anyone saw. I thought because I was having like a beautiful spiritual experience, and I just felt this joy. And all the bullshit just dropped away. I could have rolled around on the grass like I used to when I was on pills, you know, but I didn't. Like, I did roll around the grass, but I wasn't on pills, you know, like drugs will never get you to that point. And if you think they do, it's a lie. Drugs exaggerate everything. Like that is... I can tell you that from a guy who has tried every single drug and tried them far, far too much and tried to live a life taking drugs every day. Like they, they serve a purpose, but they are not the answer. Hmm. It's funny. Like drugs, drugs are kind of recreational. We use to bond us. But then you think what really bonds us is being emotional and vulnerable with each other. Yeah. We're trying to fill that gap. Like that yeah. would be the way to go. But we kind of take drugs as a, an easy intermittent. Yeah. I mean, it, it, we are looking for the easy way. But now I'm just like, wow, maybe the purpose of drugs is to get people into rehab so that they can fall apart and discover who they really are and bond and all these different things. Because, you know, I'm sure you've, you know, the big cliche, is, you know, is that, you know, the, the gift is in our shit. So what? Were there gifts in your shit pit? Are there still gifts in your shit pit? Yeah, I'd say so. I've got to, I'm going to take myself back there. I think <clears throat> what my shit pit showed me was my depth of understanding of emotion. You know, it also taught me how to be resilient. Now, I was being resilient sort of in a slightly warped way, trying to take it all on board and trying to see how much I could do before I break. But now I know how much I can take before I break. And I know that I can hold a very strong healing space for anyone because I've been there and I've tried, you know, I've taken on so much and I managed to hold a space then, which was detrimental to my, to my well-being. But now I flipped it. I'm like, I can hold a space for people who are there where I was as they come out of it, like the space I hold is very much the journey emotionally that I went through. And like things like depression, you know, I, I don't see depression as a bad thing. I see depression as a gift. It's, it's an ability to at once be aware of the complete lack of emotional connection so that when you do feel emotions, you're able to feel them in a far more nuanced sense. So we're able to see people's sadness in a far greater spectrum of meaning than someone who doesn't have depression. And also depression, I try not to say I have depression, I try to say I experience depression, and it's a really good healing tool. When things get too much, I shut down. I shut down, I shut the world out, because that's what I need in this moment. And it, it is painful, but it's not forever. And I can reach out and be vulnerable with people that I need to, like support networks, connection are hugely important. But it, it's a gift like, to be able just to shut down, to depress for yeah. a while, and yeah, just I'm, be in a space of, of nothingness and then come out of it. I'm, I'm glad, really glad you said that because you know, when, when I was at, at my worst and I was really depressed and suicidal as a teenager, I thought I was depression. It, it wasn't an experience. It wasn't something that happened. No, no, this, this is the truth of who I am. 
And in the times mm -hmm. that I wasn't depressed, I thought this was the lie. Like, oh, the real me is hidden away for a little bit. But yeah, this good feeling, this, this is just going to end. This is, this is what's temporary. The depression is what I really am. And, you know, yeah. neither are really true. But I was, you know, I was definitely flipped on a, a better way to, to navigate my life for sure. But, mm -hmm. but yeah, every, you know, I find time and time again, every emotion serves us. And it serves us most Absolutely. willing to feel it the moment it shows up. Willing to feel it then, it, you, it passes easier. But if, if we're just saying, oh, I don't, I don't have time to be depressed, or no, I'm denying I'm not depressed, I'm, I'm, I'm just fine. Everything, sure, everything sucks, and I just want to like cry or kill people, I, and sometimes both, but you know, it's just, it's Monday. That's how it is, you know? And, and that just doesn't serve. <laughs> That's how I get when I'm sad. Yeah. Right. It's like there's something going on there. Like, there's, there's a pretty clear message being sent to you right now. Yeah. Sit with it, find out. And I think it's so important that people like you and I exist, and there are more men coming forward now who have that ability to help men heal, be it energetically, emotionally, spiritually, in whatever way. But we are a growing movement of men who have walked that path and then offer solace and help to other men so that they don't have to walk exactly the same path and they can they can rise up faster. It's that um the wounded the wounded warrior, you know, we are we are the wounded warriors and we're coming back and we're protecting yeah. and we're helping. That's that's how I see it. Is is there anything from everything you've gone through and the lessons that you've learned and, and working with other men, is, is there anything that, that top of mind of, boy, I, I just wish all men knew this one thing, like the, the biggest thing you'd, you want people to realize or share? You won't be rejected. Share it and you will not be rejected. That is the biggest fear that comes up. It's like, I cannot, I can't tell my partner that I feel vulnerable about this can't tell my friends it's like tell them you're not going to be rejected and i know you do some some speaking you enjoy speaking to, to teenagers i do i do i speak um i speak around schools in the uk raising awareness about mental health and one thing that i do when i go into schools is i just say it as it is yeah i was in school and they used to have amateur dramatics come in and teach us about drugs and it never went in. Jesus, you know, I had a spliff right after. You know, I don't speak down to kids. It's just like, I, I know that some of you are taking drugs. And that's fine. You know, this is my story. Learn from this if you want to learn from it. Talk to me if you want to talk to me. But I'd never in a million years go into a school and just sort of just speak down to them because they'll just switch off immediately. They're human yeah. beings. You know? I they know possibly more than I do and they're more in tune with way more that's going on. You know, I have as much to learn from them. It's a beautiful opportunity and like, I feel there weren't enough strong voices when I was growing up. Hmm. I don't know if that was a generational thing, but I kind of want to be the change that I want to see in the world. Hmm. And I want to help young boys. Like I was that young boy who was desperately out of touch and with no identity and that pain that I was going through. I think it really helps to have someone go come along and say, Hey, I was there. Tell me about it. Yeah. And not try to fix them. You know, just like, I'm not here to fix you. Yeah. Just here to listen. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's when I first, as an adult started talking about my experiences, you know, I, I realized that when I was a suicidal teenager, the only place I heard anyone talk about that was in a mental hospital. And, and no one ever introduced me to someone, oh, here's someone that's, you know, really successful. But when they were younger, they wanted to die just like you do. 
I'm like, never. No, what? That's that's a thing. <laughs> no freaking idea. There was nobody like that yeah. that I was seeing. You want you want somebody who's going to level with you. You know, it's the uh, the mental health first aid that a friend of mine did. It's like when someone comes to you and says, "I want to kill myself." It's not whoa, whoa, whoa. It's like okay, how do we do that? You know, it's that leveling. You're on their level. Find out more about them. Right. Don't try and fix them. Yeah, and that's the, that's that's a word to everyone else listening. It's like you can't fix anyone. Okay, you can listen to them. Yeah. So just listen. And and often that's what's needed. And you, you you aren't going to trigger someone into an action by saying, "Do you have a plan? Do you know how you're going to do it?" You know, you you can talk more about suicide. It, it's not going to make someone suicidal, right? It's it's yeah. there. And oh yeah, it, like, it has to be talked about. It's a, it's a deep need to be heard, you know, and to let someone else. And it's so refreshing when someone doesn't try to fix you. Oh, my God. Yeah. Banging my head on the side here. Like, it is so refreshing. And that could just be the shift that it takes. Yeah. They're like, oh, Christ, he's not on a white horse. All right, okay, I can talk to this guy. He, he's in the mud with me. Oh, right, good. So you mentioned your, your metal work earlier as, yeah. as, as one of the many signs that you are, you are a traditional all-powerful man you know you take the elemental energies and you make things out of them <laughs> i do i do um i've been a self-taught metal worker for about 12 years maybe um i got a workshop up here in north norfolk in the countryside and um <clears throat> and i make lots of steel sculptures i make lots of very big animals and large audacious hugely elegant uh, creations is something that frees me i'm also going to be running retreats next year where men are going to come and do some group work channel with nature do some shamanism and then they're going to find they're going to go through my you know in a warrior program and they're going to find a symbol of their warrior and then they're going to go into the workshop and they're going to fucking make it and i i have never seen someone visualize their symbol of power and then create it out of steel where it hasn't had the most phenomenal effect. Hmm. So you're, you're a self-taught sort of blacksmith? Is, I mean, I don't know what a metal shop looks like. Is it really just fire um, and ore? Like, what, how is this? <laughs> it sounds very manly. Uh, it is, I'm not a, full, I'm not a blacksmith. Um, blacksmiths work purely in flames and heating up steel and then putting it on the anvil. I do do some of that. But what I mainly do is uh, I weld steel, I cut steel with a plasma cutter, I grind steel, and then I will, I use uh, one of those big torches, the, yeah. the noise they make, they're terrifying, the oxypropane to like heat steel up and then bash it. So it's, it's fire, it's sparks, it's very dangerous. But you know what's great about it? Because it's so dangerous, it means that I have to be present every single moment so that's why it's so blissful because i'm totally present within my body at all times and then i create these wonderfully elegant beautiful things that people look at me and see in this six foot three big guy and then they see something really beautiful and they go what you made that i'm like yeah i'm really vulnerable how are you <laughs> <laughs> i'm bending steel to prove how vulnerable i am don't you get it yeah <laughs> It's just this wonderful, this wonderful dichotomy. And it works well in my favor because I can say to men, it's like, listen, you know, if I can do this, but I can still cry and be vulnerable and pick flowers for my girlfriend and my mum, 
you know, what does that tell you? And yeah. it's often like, well, everything I've been told is a lie. It's like, yeah, it has. What kind of man do you want to be? How do you want to define yourself? When I say that, I get excited because it's like, yes. How do you want to define yourself? It's like, well, I, I want to be this kind of man. It's like, you can be that kind of man. It's that wonderful, I think the word definition and masculinity go to go together very well. It's like, mm -hmm redefine your masculinity right. be that man he's yeah. so powerful yeah the, the the only definition that matters is is yours each individual man's definition is what matters and Absolutely. if yours doesn't feel good if it doesn't light you up then yeah redefine it say well then i tried yeah, i tried being that version. Right. well that didn't work let's try something else right it's that thing like when you when you're on your deathbed you know, you're going to look back to that time where you wish you'd done the salsa dancing, but you didn't because you're afraid of what people might say. You're going to think, oh, I'm so glad I didn't do that. You're going to think, wait, why the fuck didn't I just do it? You know, like, I'm here. This is me dying at the end. There's no one else. Those people aren't in my life anymore. What felt right by me? And that's, um, that's a framework that I use a lot. It's like, when I'm on my deathbed, I'm there. Am I going to, what am I going to say when I look back at this moment? Like, I guess I'll do it then. Why not? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been often said, you know, we, we regret the things we don't do more than regretting the things that we do. Yeah. yeah. Completely. Yeah. So, completely. Yeah. Completely. especially yeah, if science keeps showing up. Yeah. If you keep having thoughts about trying that thing and it scares you like, yeah, like run, run to what scares you. That, I mean, that's, that's the way I try to live now. Like, Oh, I'm afraid of yeah. doing that. Oh, that means that's what I have to do next. <laughs> you know? like, oh, my plans have changed. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I know, I know what I've got to do now. Absolutely. Awesome. They're all, they're all magnificent and fail magnificently. Why not? Why not? Fail magnificently. I like that. Yeah. Like I've been doing that all year and it's gone very well for me actually. I've just <laughs> removed the fear of failing. I was like, well, if you're going to do this, it's going to be going to fail magnificently. So fuck it. Bring it on. Cool. And uh, so, so tell us a little bit of, I know you have a, you have a podcast and now I had the pleasure of being on that. So mm. how, how did that come to fruition for you? Well, the podcast started out because I wanted to send a message to men. So it, it started out as the inner warrior reframing masculinity. And I got you on Andy and other guys that I felt could share a really strong message about that kind of definition of like how a man can define, define himself based on who he was. And the inner warrior is kind of central to my brand. It's uh, the archetypally, the inner warrior is there to allow for transition, you know, acting bold, making changes in the life. It often comes around when you're sort of like 14, 13, 14. My belief is that you can reawaken that archetype and use it to tra traverse any challenging situation. I think masculinity and the navigation of that is a challenging landscape for men. And I wanted to get voices on and i've got a i'm part of a men helping men group on facebook and we have regular roundtables where we get together and we have a discussion we've got a great one coming up on a bdsm and kink if anyone's interesting and interesting like come along and uh and join in and um and then i changed it to just the inner warrior podcast because i found that it wasn't just men who have an opinion share women as well and the central thing of it was human beings defining themselves as they are, regardless of what femininity or masculinity or stacked odds seemingly were going to dictate their life to be like. They decided how they wanted to redefine their life. And that's the Inner Warrior podcast. 
Awesome. So what's the, uh, what's the best way for people to, to track you down, to learn more about you? Um, I would go to the podcast. That is the absolute best way to find out more about me, um, more about what I do. You'll get a really good feel about the kind of man that I am. If you do want to find me on Facebook, like, just come find me at Henry Johnston. Come find me. I'm, I'm sure Andy will put it in the, uh, in, in the show notes. Send me a friend request. Say, hey, Henry, I heard you on Andy's show. Like, let's have a conversation. We can grab a cup of coffee over Zoom. We can chat some more. It'd be amazing. And my website is henryjohnston.org. Awesome. Awesome. I, uh, I, I, one of the first times we ever talked, you, you shared some with, with me uh, uh, some, some doubts some concerns uh, about coaching and business. And I just, uh, honestly, you're amazing. And I really, I, I see and commend the work that you have done for yourself. And I see, I can just, I can just feel the love rating from you and anyone that hits the, the honor to work with you, the, the, to, to listen to the show, to, to be a guest on your show. Um, you're doing powerful work and it radiates out to everyone and it's radiating to more people than you will ever realize as well. Um, oh, thank so, you, Andy. Yeah. That means, so, that means a huge amount. Thank you so much, brother. Yeah. You, you got it going on. So if anyone is feeling uh, a connection, anything that you've, you've shared, things you've gone through, um, if your places that they hope to aspire to, then yeah, reach out, find, join that mm -hmm. Facebook group, listen to the podcast, have, have a talk with you. Um, yeah. Cause you, you are, <laughs> magnificently beautiful you are the warrior Aww. you have risen from the ashes i love that you now and you pound things from the ashes like you were you're like every <laughs> masculine metaphor combined into one <laughs> i do Fantastic. i yeah. do yeah. cool so i want to thank you for making the time to to talk to me to talk to everyone that's listening and everyone wherever you're catching this show please uh, a share a like a comment we'd love to hear from you and uh until next time be good to yourself Thank you for listening to Real Men Feel. Reach out to us at realmenfeel at gmail.com. Learn more about Andy Grant at theandygrant.com. Until next time, visit realmenfeel.org or the Real Men Feel Facebook group and share what you thought of this episode. Please give this podcast a review on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you are discovering Real Men Feel. Visit goodmenproject.com for more of the conversations no one else is having.